Welcome to Ablaze Ministries International Podcast. We are the youth and young adults of Hope Church Brisbane. For more information about our ministries, weekly gatherings and activities, please visit our website at www.ablaze.org.au. And right now, get ready for an inspiring message and start living out your God-given potential today. going to preach from uh, Acts chapter 20, uh, Acts chapter 14, okay, uh, someone's phone is free, actually I just have to do that, yeah, Acts chapter 14, verses 21 to 28, could you please turn there, that would be great, now I, uh, I uh, g- given the time, I will not preach the whole sermon, but uh, I will try and uh, compress to whatever I can, okay, the key things that I, I sense God wants to bring up tonight, I'm going to share about remaining true. Remaining true, okay? From Acts chapter 14, verses 21 to 28, okay? You are there? You got your Bibles? Okay, all right. I want to share about this man first. His name is John Stephen Aquari. John Stephen Aquari, a Tanzanian, uh, he participated in the 42-kilometer marathon race in the 1968 Olympics uh, in New Mexico. And um, John himself, uh, during that race, um, because it was high altitude in uh, in New Mexico, um, and and he wasn't trained to in that in that sort of condition, his legs cramped up, and but he continued to run, and at the point of about uh, 19 kilometer, uh, all the different marathon runners were pivoting for a better position, and in doing that, um, unfortunately, uh, he fell and hit the uh, pavement, and not only that. Um, he injured his, uh, his shoulder hit the pavement and he injured his knee and uh, the, the joint dislocated. So this man, despite of his condition, he continued to run on uh, for the next, uh, if you can imagine, 23 kilometers of the race. It's not easy to make it to 42. Um, when all, you know, towards the end of it all uh, at the stadium, uh, people thought, you know, okay, so with all these runners, the first one has come and many others have come. And they thought of, you know, lots of people leaving the stadium. But then they noticed that there's some other, you know, there's someone else who's coming in, hobbling away and and still running, and it was John Stephen Aquari. He came in one hour, five minutes, and one second later, the last person in the entire race. And uh, the people, the reporters asked him, John, why did you run all the way? You're You're badly injured, you're in great pain, but yet you ran all the way, 42 kilometers. And he said, my country did not send me to start up. My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start up the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And tonight I'm talking about remaining, tr- remaining true. You know, sometimes in this world these days, especially we live in a first world country, uh, there's a high tendency for us to go as the wind blows where, wherever. And so w- when we feel good, you know, we want to do it, but when we feel the pressure, we forget about it, we drop it, and so forth. Uh, the tendency I- is high for us to just go as, as thing, uh, depending on the situation. And therefore, remaining true to the cause may be something that would be hard for quite a number, f- number to follow through. And that's what I want to share about remaining true tonight, because we can learn from the examples of uh, 
apostles Paul as well as Barnabas. And so we're going to read from Acts chapter 14, verses 21 to 28. So can you please uh, turn to Acts chapter 14, 21 to 28 with me? Okay, you're there? Okay. Could you read with me, please? They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Okay. Can I hear you, please? Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. It's very interesting as I was looking at this, why did Paul and Barnabas in verse 21 to 22, they preached the good news in all the different cities, uh, no, in that city, and they came back to these three particular cities, and they said to them, the disciples, uh, the believers, uh, in verse 22, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith, they, they said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. So I'm going to bring up about three aspects why they brought this up. And to do that, we need to refer back. Okay, we need to track back to Acts chapter 13 and 14. What happened in these three particular areas? In Acts chapter 13, verses 13 to 52, uh, in uh, Pisidian Antioch, gos the gospel of Jesus Christ was shared powerfully. People came to Christ, many, many people, and uh, even the people there were asking for Paul and Barnabas to stay back because they wanted to hear the word, okay? And then in Acts chapter 14, verses 1 to 6, uh, in Iconium, a lot of people also accepted Christ, and that was accompanied by signs and wonders, healings and miracles, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, and, and so many, many came to Christ. And then in Acts chapter 14, verses 8 to 20, in Lystra, a man crippled from birth was miraculously healed as God empowered uh, Paul uh, to minister to him. And so all these things, and people came to Christ as well. So there are great things happening, great things. But why did these two apostles came, come back to these three cities and remind the disciples, the, the new believers, the believers there as well, to remain true before God? Why? You see, despite all this, despite all the success stories, despite all that, sometimes there are different things that could come by the way which could cause people to not remain true. So the first one, you're going to see, persecution and opposition. The first P, persecution and opposition. In Acts chapter 13, verse 50, the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. In Acts chapter 14, verse 5, there was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. So they had a lot of successes. But here, again, back here in, in, um, uh, in Pisidian Antioch, as well as in Iconium, uh, they were facing hostility. And so it will not just remain just for these two, but the other believers uh, would also face that. 
And so that's why Paul and Barnabas came back to remind them, despite the persecution, despite the opposition, they are to remain true before God. Friends, how do we respond in such occasions? You see, when we, you know, as Bible-believing people, as Christ followers, we may be excited, we may be enthusiastic, we may be full of faith, but not everyone may receive us like it, you know, like that, and say warmly. They may not receive us uh, in a very friendly way. Sometimes that maybe uh, due to different reasons, they could misunderstand uh, us, or they may not receive our faith, or may not uh, um, receive what we believe in that openly. Or at times they may come and and uh, you know, especially as believers in Christ, those of you who are in, uh, in a school, uh, in university, at work, sometimes you, you, you find that the favor of God poured upon you in such a miraculous way, and people do get jealous, and thinking, why? Why you and not me? Okay, I went through some of this before myself, um, uh, which I will share with you when time permits. So here you can see Paul and Barnabas reminded the people that despite the hostility, despite the persecution, despite the opposition, to come to that place of remaining true before God, then how are we to respond? Okay, how are we to respond when we go when we face this? Second Timothy chapter four verse two says, "Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season." Yeah, be diligent in sharing the word. Be diligent in sharing what God has put in you. You don't have to be the 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 master of the you know. You don't have to be you know well versed and so forth. You know what you need, whatever you know, you share it. It's good that you know the word more and more, that's for sure. But whatever you know, because sometimes some of us say, I don't know enough. And so we never speak because we're concerned. What if, you know, even if you're a primary schooler, even if you're a high schooler, it doesn't matter. You can preach to whoever. When God opens the door, it doesn't matter who it is. Someone who is not well, they need someone to pray for them. If you are one of the younger ones, go and do it. Have that faith to trust God that God can use you. It doesn't mean that it has to be only certain ones, the leaders to go and pray for the sick. No, any one of us can pray for the sick because we are all Christ believers. Amen? Yeah, so preach the word season out of season. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men. Say with me, shine. Are we shining? up uh, so that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven are we high with that are we high Matthew 5 11, blessed are you when people insult you persecute you falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me Romans 12 14 bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse what are we meant to do we are meant to show the opposite spirit if there's hostility, if there's persecution, if there's opposition, we're meant to be, as Christ followers, show what Jesus would have shown them. Kindness, consideration, love, and so forth. I want to share with you the story of Corrie Ten Boom. I'll do the next slide, please. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Corrie Ten Boom lady, um, many years ago during Second World War, 
Her family and herself, they were involved in hiding the Jewish people away from the Nazis uh, in the Second World War. And uh, unfortunately, in the midst of doing so, um, they were caught and uh, they were sent to the concentration camp. And concentration camps are uh, not something anyone would like to be in. And in that camp, they were uh, badly mistreated and so forth. She was released uh, on the 31st of December, 1947. 1945, that's right, 1945. And a couple of days just before that, her sister, whom she dearly loved, passed away as well because of malnutrition, because of being mistreated and so forth. So this was what happened a few years down the track. Ever since then, her heart was always to minister to people that have gone through very difficult times. Particularly after the Second World War, a lot of the uh, German people uh, uh, who were once involved in, in all this Nazism and so forth, uh, they came to Christ and they were really, really, they, they, they really lost hope and all that. And her heart was to bring that message of Christ's love to them. And it was in 1947, while she was sharing the, the gospel and the, the whole aspect of forgiveness to the people uh, in uh, Munich, there was one elderly guy that came right from the back after she finished preaching. And uh, as he was coming towards her, it was like she was transported back several years, three or four years uh, back to the concentration camp because she recognized him as the one of the guards who cruelly mistreated them. And so, but this guy came walking, you know, he was frail looking, he was, bald, you know, a bald-headed man, very frail, and, and uh, just came up to her and said, Fraulein, I heard that you mentioned uh, a place called Ravensbrück, and this is, uh, th that was the camp that I was in. And, and he said to her, uh, since then I have become a Christian, and I've asked God to forgive me for the cruel things that I did to the people in that concentration camp. But he said, Fraulein, could you please forgive me? I would like to hear it from you. He said that to her. He did not recognize her, but she recognized him. And so he stretched forth his hand to her and said, Fraulein, I'd like to hear from you. Could you please forgive me? You can imagine what Corrie Ten Boone would have felt at that time. Because her sister and her father died in the concentration camp. They were all, plus many, I mean, thousands of people were mistreated. And there was this guy who thought, just ask for forgiveness, perish. Could I just extend like that? So she, they were highly persecuted. They were highly opposed for their faith. And, uh, and she actually cried out to God in her heart at that time. When this man, you know, and he, she said to God, God, could, just as you have forgiven me, you desire me to forgive others. Because if you have forgiven me and I can't forgive others, how can you forgive, Heavenly Father, forgive me? And so uh, she said to God, forgiveness is an act of will. In her heart, she knew forgiveness is an act of will. It is not based on the temperature of my heart. Yeah. And so she said, God, I'll just do this mechanically, but God, you supply the rest. Because I don't feel like it, but I know I want to because I want to be obedient to you. And so she did stretch forth her hand to that man, and as they linked their palms together like this, a miracle took place. 
she sensed warmth coming through from her shoulders, right down to all her hands here and onto the flaps hanging together. And she could literally feel her lungs crying. I love you. I love you. You see, Corrie Ten Boom remained true to one of the key pillars of Christian faith, which is forgiveness. You know, friends, some of us seated here, we may not have gone through all the things that they have gone through. But you know, as we are seated here, along the way, there could have been those who may have endured us. Along the way, there could have been those who could have mocked us because we chose to, to proclaim that we are Christians. There may be those who may not have agreed with us and, and could have argued strongly with us or so forth and, and, and so forth. But inside us, perhaps we could have carried certain scars and wounds because certain things have hurt us. Someone, some people have hurt us. But have we forgiven them just as Corey Ten Boom did years ago in 1947 to that guy? Something for you to consider. Because as God's people, when you want to remain true to God, you want to talk about, let's get down to the real stuff, not just up there. How are you living that? When there's persecution, when there's opposition, when people may not agree and so forth, but are we able to do so? I think I learned this lesson very well one time years ago. Um, I was in university my first year. At the end of the first year, I was, uh, no, at the end of second year, not first year. At the end of second year, I was, we were looking for a job, all of us, you know, those who stayed back for the summer. And uh, I remembered applying for this job, and uh, I found out later on there were 200 applicants. It was with Telecom. Currently, it's called Telstra. In those days, Telecom Australia, as a research student in economics. And so I, I remembered that um, I, I thought, when I went for the interview, I, I was late for the interview because I heard incorrectly the time and I thought that oh dear you know I think I've flung it but uh, anyway um, out of the 200 uh, the Lord in his grace graciousness uh, granted me that job you know and uh, so when when I found out I got the job I was you know so excited you know I thought wow thank you Jesus and then the next moment I opened my uh, um, my place uh, the, the, the flaps there where I was staying in and this friend of mine came. He was in the same year as I was. And uh, used to be a good friend too. I said, used to be, huh? What happened was he said to me, how come you got the job? And I said, what do you mean? I said, uh, I don't know. Uh, out of the Lord, you know, he, he told, he, he picked me and so forth. Then he said, I'm the better student. He said to me and to my face and I thought, okay, all right. Uh, yeah, you are the better student, but uh, well, it's the grace of God. That's all I could say. And, um, and I could see that he was really, really opposing what was happening. But I said in my heart, I said, God, I choose to forgive you. Despite the fact that he thought that, why did you get it? It should be me. Now, there are times that we will face things like that in our lives. But if you're going to just keep that and say, God, that person has hurt me and, and all that and said this nasty thing and that nasty thing, then we will not be able to let go of unforgiveness and bitterness. So friends, I want to encourage you. Remaining true to God, it actually means that we learn to 
we're doing what God word says, really, in reality. Don't just say, you know, I'm, Lord, I, I, I thank God that I'm not in the situation Iraq now, in northern Iraq, where Christians are being persecuted and so forth. But let's bring it down to where we are at as well. How do we remain true to God despite the persecution and opposition that we may sometimes um, encounter? The second thing is problems and challenges and pressure. Okay, problems, challenges, and pressure. See, Paul and Barnabas, they also encountered many hardships. In the town, in the city of Antioch, Pisidian Antioch, uh, Acts 13.50, the people stirred up persecution against them both and expelled them from their region. So they were driven out. Instead of being welcomed, uh, which they were initially, some of the people stirred up um, persecution against them and drove them out, and they were expelled. So they had problems. In Acts chapter 14, verses 5 to 6, there was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews. And together with their leaders, they wanted to mistreat Paul and Barnabas and stone them in Iconium. And so they had to flee for their lives. Okay? In Lystra, in Acts chapter 14, verse 19, there the miracle took place that man that was lame from birth was healed by God. But some of the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him out the outside the city, thinking he was dead. Can you imagine what it's like in those days for these people? The problems, the pressures, the different circumstances that took place. But you know what? Paul and Barnabas did not give up. Circumstances come and go, but our God remains the same. Amen. In your own lives, how are we remaining true to God when we face different circumstances, when we face uh, different problems, when we face different types of pressure, especially when you're a student? I, I remember those days. Boy, you know, I've got assignments, I've got tests, I've got exams, and, uh, and the lot of it. But one thing I remember is I remember that I learned how to depend on God. I learned how to make sure that my quiet time with God is not kind of set aside because I've got exams. The more I go for exams, the more I need God. I don't know about you, but I hope, I hope and I pray that we will not forget God when we're having our exams. Because sometimes we take a holiday from God, you know, one month exam. Sorry, God, on the shelf, my studies come first. And then you wonder why you struggle so hard. Because sometimes we depend on our own strength than on God. So it's important to, to learn, to, to, you know, it, and it's, you know, I remember one time, uh, this was years ago when I was doing my uh, honours, assign my assignment for honours uh, um, part of my degree. And I remember that the time I was serving the Lord as well, and uh, I've got this, you know, this, this assignment, this project due, and, and it's one of my papers, honours papers. And I said, God, there, there's so many, you know, mathematical uh, formulas and all that, and look into it, but I haven't got to write up the whole thing. But I was still serving the Lord fully. No matter what, you know, I said, God, I want to be able to serve you. I want to be faithful to you. I don't want to leave you on the sideline just because I am having my studies and so forth. And I thank God the Lord gave me the best 48 hours of my life. I wrote up the whole thing, praise God. By the grace of God, I just said, God, help me. And uh, went through it and, and it came out very well. Praise God. What does the Lord want us to do? 
that despite the pressures that we may go through, that despite sometimes, you know, oh God, what do you do? Do we come to God or do we actually say, God, I know what to do. I've got good brains uh, and so forth. Or oh God, I don't know. Or if, if, uh, if sometimes we struggle with certain subjects and we say, oh God, I feel so down already. God, what do I do? I want to encourage you. Come to God. Remain true to him. Remain true to the Lord your God. Even when you're working, you know, you, you could be having a very good career and so forth. Don't forget the Lord your God. Yeah. Because sometimes all we think is money, 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 right? Money, money, money. You know that song? <laughs> don't get, you know, hopefully when I see you in the spirit, I don't see dollar signs in front of you. It's like you see sometimes you go and say, oh, okay, God is in the battle. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says, fight the good fight of the faith. Psalm 62, 5 to 8 brings me a lot of encouragement. It says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty God, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Friends, remain true to God, even when the problems and the challenges are really, it may seem like big to us, but God is bigger. Say with me, God is bigger. God is bigger. And that's why I encourage you to come to that place of prayer. Learn to pray, because I won't be speaking about that in the second part of the sermon. Learn to pray, learn to come to that place you glean from the word. Let God's word speak into your heart and life. You know, I, I can tell you, I have testimonies to share. I remember when I was in high school years ago, there's many moons ago. And I remembered uh, it was like year 11, year 12, going to year 12, right? So in year 11, I was fully going, engaging in the school activities and so forth. And, uh, and I was in doing my very best in my studies, but I could not understand additional maths. You know, what they call maths is so weird, you know. That's the level. And the teacher, I don't know what he was talking about, but he talked to me. I was, uh, you know, and my results were coming out. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this doesn't look good. didn't look good at all. My father would be asking me questions and so forth, and uh, which he has a right to. And uh, I remembered at the end of that year, you know, it's like equivalent to year 11, I went before God. I was a very young Christian then, okay, um, just accepted Christ. And so I learned how to pray. Not that I've m anybody taught me, like, man, this new one, really talk to God, you know, <laughs> talk to Father God. And so I did. And I said, God, help me. I really don't know how I'm going to get through with this because this is one tough subject. And I've lost one year's of work. God, I pray in year 12, grant me a very, very good teacher who can somehow communicate with my, this brain of mine and help me to understand maths here. Like, how to understand, how to, you know, it, it's like change, let there be a creative change happening in, in understanding for this subject. And you know that year, in year 12, God provided me with a fantastic maths C teacher. She was so fantastic. In those days, we have 50 students in a class. She could be writing on the board and her ears are so sharp. The moment someone plays a trick at the back or someone is not concentrating, somehow she would know, so she must be activated in the word of knowledge. You know, 
now that I thought about it, because I now found out who she's, she's a Christian, she would turn around and her chalk would come flying shoop, and land nicely on your desk. And then I thought, oh, okay. She was so sharp. Sharp, sharp. And she made us work hard, but I tell you, from day one that she stepped into the class, my mind just grew big like this. I caught up to the ministry. And that is because of the grace of God. And that is because I learned the importance of depending on God. It's not about my intellect. It's not about what I don't, uh, it's not about God. I, I really don't have it. But God, you can provide what I don't have. Because in my inadequacy, you are my adequacy. Yeah, you know, for some of us here, some of us, we may struggle with certain subjects. And I understand that because I, I have gone through that as well. Whether it's university, whether it's high school, whether it's primary, whether it's uh, I even at, at where, where you're working, certain things, you know, just baffles you. And so I, I learned to kind of just remain true to God. When the circumstances come in, I want to encourage you, when tough times come in, don't let go of God, but hold on to him and he will supply. And that's what happened to Paul and Barnabas. He was encouraged, they were encouraging the people, despite the fact they had to flee for their lives, despite the fact that they had to go through such difficult times, but yet they encouraged the believers, stay true to God. Okay, amen. The third thing that we find in Acts chapter 14, verses 12 to 15, talks about pride and fame. Here, Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. This was in Lystra. When they saw how God, I mean, when they saw that the, the lame man was healed, they immediately attributed all the credit to Paul and Barnabas, thinking they are like their Greek gods. So they wanted to sacrifice to them and wanted to applaud them and get the people to say, come, 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 worship this too. You know, Paul and Barnabas could have gotten real proud, of the fact that, wow, these people like us so much. They could have gotten, you know, wow, this is famous, man. Overnight, you know, I've got fame. Sometimes we, we can take the credit away from God. But what did Paul and Barnabas do? They remained true to God despite all the trappings of possibility of pride and fame. They made sure that this humble man quickly corrected the wrong misunderstanding the, the misunderstanding that was in the lives of the people. And again, attributed all the miracles that happened, particularly with the man who was lame and was healed, back to God. You know, friends, sometimes we have to check the heart condition. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 29, verse 23, A man's pride brings him low. But a lowly spirit, man of lowly spirit, gains favor. Yeah, many of us are highly talented. Many of us have at least one talent, okay? I'm sure we have more than that. And many of us, we are very capable people. But one thing that I've learned is that despite how capable we are, we are despite how clever we are, despite how talented and gifted we are, we need Father God. Yeah, because He's the one who granted us all these good things. And so let us give Him the glory. You know, especially when you've got good grades or especially when you've done very well, maybe something you made and it came out beautiful. 
you can say praise God and thank the Lord for that gifting that is in you that can be a blessing to somebody else. But remember, it is the Lord who gives it to us. Yeah, because sometimes we can say how. You know, you might say, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. And but actually in your heart, you're like, <laughs> and you thought that it's me actually giving it. But it's the Lord who gave it to us. So let's give him the glory. Friends, I want to share with this, just in closing. When we remain true, what are some things that could take place? It would eventually attract people to us. Because they see something in you. They see that you're not just talking about Jesus, but you're actually living out your Christian life. Your Christian life is going to make a difference. They say, why? Why are you able to smile on a Monday for those of us who go to work? I used to work in a workplace, in a particular place of employment. Um, a lot of my colleagues, come Monday, they come in very grumpy. They come in looking very sad. Yeah, they come in looking very heavy. And I used to ask them, have you had a good weekend? Yeah, it's not long now. I need another two more days. And I say, well, if you have Saturday, you have Sunday. In Malaysia, if you have one day, that's great. Maybe you might not even have any one. And uh, then they said, why are you so cheerful? And I said, because yesterday was Sunday. And I went to meet with all my friends, to meet with God, to meet with Jesus. And uh, he's truly the Lord of my life. And, uh, and I've seen people, when, when they're so stressed, what do they do? My directors used to have a stress ball. He would literally, literally stress out the stress ball until it became so flat. One day I went to his office and I said, excuse me, um, Mr. M, I won't say his name, Mr. M, why is your stress ball supposed to be round, right? It looks pretty flat like a pancake. And he started laughing, you know. And I said, uh, did I say something okay? <laughs> then he said, yeah, because it, the other day so stressed. Then he asked me, how come you are not stressed? And I said, I do get stressed, but I come to Jesus. And you know what? His parting words to me before I, I resigned from that company to come up to Brisbane, he said to me, Lailin, maybe you can save me. You pray and save me. And I said, no, I cannot save you. But only Jesus can save you. You need to come to him. Yeah. Eventually, it attracts pre-believers. Secondly, it encourages other believers. Friends, when you choose to remain true to God in your everyday life, you know, let, let's bring it down to just normal things in life, in your attitudes, in your conduct, in your behavior, in your speech, in your interaction with one another in the household, in the members of your household, whether it be your parents, whether it be your brothers and sisters, whether it be the people that you live in, in the household, uh, you know, together and so forth. When, it, when you remain true to the Lord, it encourages others because then they know that you are someone that really walk the talk. Yeah. You don't just talk, but you actually walk the talk. Now, I'm not saying that we are perfect. There are times of frustration. There are times that we may not uh, be or do the best that we should before God. But 
our own heart attitudes, in our own desires, are we willing to say, God, help me. Help me. Be who I am meant to be in you. Be more loving. Be more kind. Be more considerate. Be more helpful. You know, remaining true. That's the reality. 